0: Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us on our first ever online-only church service. We're very new to this, and we've assembled a great team of folks who've been working behind the scenes all morning, so a huge shout-out to them. We've got Ron and Esther and Kent and Joseph here um, helping to get this all working, and if you've been tuning in a little early, you saw us doing some tests, so hopefully everything is working fine on your end. In the weeks to come, we plan to get even better at this, and we plan to have um, improved videos um, to look forward to in the future, so hang in there with us. And um, we thank you for your patience as we learn how to do this all together. One thing that I would like to utilize in our online services is the Facebook comment feature. So if you look at the bottom of your screen, you'll see that there's a text box where you can comment. And these messages will post alongside the video for everyone else to see. So although nothing will ever take the place of us meeting face to face in fellowship, this feature gives us a way to connect with one another on a Sunday when we can't be together in person. So to test this out, today just happens to be Miss Donna Palmberg's birthday. So if you're tuning in right now, I invite you to write a quick happy birthday message to sweet Donna, and then we will know that you are also tuning in. And throughout the service, feel free to comment so that we can feel like we are together even when we can't be. I'm going to start off our service today by reading our call to worship. And during these six weeks of Lent that lead up to Easter, we will be acknowledging the six different events of the Passion— If you're not familiar with that term, the passion of Christ is simply the story of Jesus's journey to the cross. Today we focus on Jesus's trial when he was mocked and ridiculed with a robe and a crown of thorns. You can see these elements presented on the center table here today and for our call to worship this morning let us reflect on the final events of Jesus's trial that led him to the cross. I read now from John 19. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. And we are reminded this day that it's by his wounds that we have been healed. I invite you to join with me wherever you are, maybe in your pajamas, in your living room at home, and sing with me this well-known hymn, The Wonderful Cross.
1: Survey the wondrous cross, on which the Prince of Glory died. My riches gain I count, but long. poor content
2: good morning and welcome to online church as Katie said. This morning is a little different from last Sunday. Last Sunday the chairs were full and this Sunday the chairs are empty but the good thing about people sitting in the same spot every week is that I can visualize exactly where you were sitting and I can see those who are smiling those who typically are nodding off, and those who just look very disapproving. So you know who you are, I'm not calling out any names. Well, we have um, the opportunity with our technology to be able to uh, still connect with you on Sunday morning. And you probably saw that the bulletin is being posted for you so you can keep up with the um, comings and goings here at Evergreen. But I wanted to give you an update on what uh, we are doing here. Uh, hopefully you got the, op- had the opportunity to read the letter that Paul and Elise and I sent out last week. Uh, we were outlining our response here at Evergreen to the latest guidelines and mandates of the health professionals and the government. And as we said in the letter, we're not responding in fear but out of sound judgment, which means we are doing our part to care for those who are most vulnerable in and outside of our community here. We will be constantly reassessing our protocol regarding meetings and office hours as information continues to change from the CDC. We are doing a professional cleaning this week, top to bottom sanitizing even the chairs here in the sanctuary. And we are also having uh, hand sanitizer stations all over the building installed this week. We will be communicating via our website, our Facebook page, and through the loop. So please continue to check those. We're also having conversations about how we can stay connected and reach out to those in need in our community. I do know that food banks are really hurting right now. so. A great thing for your family would be able to go and get some groceries and drop them off at your local food bank or here at uh, Mercer Island Youth and Family Services. Using our Lenten devotional is a great way for us to stay on the same page literally. Today if you look at the third Sunday in Lent, Joy Zorn has written the devotional. It's a way for us to stay connected to our Evergreen family. Getting together with a few others to take a prayer walk is another idea. Pastor Elise is looking into ways to offer Bible stories for kids online, and stay tuned to more ideas on how we can optimize what we can do and not focus on what we can't do. As I said in the loop, this is an opportunity for us to be the church scattered. We have been deployed. Each morning, I would encourage you to pray that God would show you what he would have you do for that day. And remember, the local church scattered is the hope of the world, and the world really needs hope right now. Pastor Paul is going to come up and share and have a word of prayer with us.
3: I also add my greeting to all of you. Good morning, and thank you for joining us online today. It's interesting that prayer really is the main connector for us in the Church of Jesus Christ. This is borderless. Nothing can constrain us from joining together in prayer, and it is one of the central things that we will be able to do as we are not gathering together. As we prepare our hearts for prayer, I do wanna read a short scripture from Lamentations 3, one of my favorite uh, scriptures to center myself, especially in the morning. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, they never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion Therefore, I will wait for him. Patience is being required of all of us. Waiting is being required of all of us. Our schedules are on pause. And so that allows us time for solitude and prayer and thoughts about the sovereign God who holds this world in his hands. So in light of that, Would you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we pray that your divine power so strengthen our weakness that neither the craft of the devil nor the allurements of the world nor the evil desires of our own hearts may prevail against us, but that we may in all things be more than conquerors through him that loved us. Keep us steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and enable us to be faithful unto death, that we may receive the crown of life. And so, Heavenly Father, the one who does hold us in the palm of your hand, we thank you for the gift of technology, but more so, we thank you for the gift of prayer that binds us together and allows us to express our hearts and our own needs to you but also that allows us to see you as high and exalted and lifted up and seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so as we prepare our hearts to receive your word today, we would pray together the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil and the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. This morning, we are delighted that the superintendent of our Pacific Northwest Conference in the Evangelical Covenant Church, uh, Greg Yee, is available to preach to us. He was already scheduled to be our guest preacher today, and with all of the events of the last number of weeks, We were unsure if this would continue, but we were glad this week when Greg said, by all means, he wanted to join us. And so today's sermon will be from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and this is from the New Living Translation. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake, So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, do you not care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
4: Well, good morning, church. These are uh, very extraordinary times. Uh, Evergreen joins 52 of our other Pacific Northwest Conference churches that are not meeting in person today. So a lot of people were scrambling and uh, trying to figure out uh, online streaming. And uh, you don't see them here, but there's a bunch of folks that have been working really hard this week, and especially this morning, uh, to make sure we're connected. Um, I really think that uh, what we're going through right now is a, a great lesson and great exercise for us to remember that the church is not just Sunday morning, right? That uh, the church is not even necessarily uh, our beautiful physical building here, uh, but the church is the collection of us, the followers of Christ and those who are seeking Him. And uh, this is just a great lesson for us an exercise uh, for us to reflect on what that really means I'm just really grateful uh, to be able to have the honor of sharing God's word with you today during these most uh, uh, incredible of times. Uh, I'm sure this has been a bit of a crazy week for you. Um, this invasive uh, disruption of our life rhythms that have gone on, uh, the fear of uh, the unknown that is abound, the effects on businesses and families and life as we have known it has been significant. Our garage door decided to break down this week, and so I called the repair person, and even the repair person would get nowhere near our front door. And uh, as I started to uh, get closer to him, after I uh, raised the door up, he immediately pushed back and said, oh, I promised my wife that I would not get any closer than six feet away from anybody. Uh, just that awkwardness of relating to one another that we've been experiencing. Uh, We had interviews this week for uh, those that are coming into the covenant uh, for their licensing and credentialing, and one of our uh, pastors uh, was quarantined, was not able to be with us, and we were furiously wiping the tables, and uh, our director of ministries uh, stood guard by the coffee pot with a glove on to serve everybody. Uh, Chicago uh, headquarters, they've uh, asked people who have had any contact with anybody from Washington to self-quarantine for two weeks. So yes, your former pastor uh, happened to be at a, a conference with one of the executive ministers a week and a half ago, and unfortunately, that executive minister is under quarantine in Chicago. Our family has been very affected uh, we've had to cancel a trip to Toronto to visit uh, one of Mary's last remaining uncles who's elderly. Erin is flying back from San Diego this weekend uh, to conclude her semester at Point Loma online. uh, uh Robotics Club, uh, the season is completely canceled just weeks after they finished building their robot. And we, as a conference, are considering what it means for us to uh, put our annual meeting online at the end of next month. But worst of all, yes, I paid $20 for eight rolls of toilet paper last week. (laughs) It's not hoarding, we just needed toilet paper. Well, I'm thrilled to have this opportunity to open up uh, this passage in Mark 4 with you this morning during this most extraordinary time for us, during your current series about encountering Jesus. Encountering Jesus during these most extraordinary days. I hope that uh, you are subscribed. If you're on Facebook, that you are uh, subscribed to our Pacific Northwest Conference Facebook page. If you haven't, I encourage you to do so. This past week, I... Um, posted this icon, this picture, that captures a moment uh, of uh, our story today there in Mark 4, uh, verses 35 to 41. Um, I love that um, our associate superintendent, Dawn Toloyo, uh, made us aware of this, and what she said about this icon is that it just reminds her of Jesus' non-anxious presence, As we are walking these days, as we are experiencing these days, are we encountering Jesus as a non-anxious presence? I love icons. Icons uh, are similar to like um, uh, cultures that had oral traditions. Uh, You can imagine some of these cultures sitting by a fire, and the elders are telling stories to their young people, making sure the important stories are being passed down. Icons are very similar. Icons have been used by the church for people, uh, even uh, for preliterate people or people that were illiterate, but also just for followers of Jesus in general to teach us our history, to teach us what we really believe in, our, our theology. Icons call us to be still in front of it and to reflect and to worship. Icons call us away from our uh, physical state here on earth into the heavenly realms. And so as we look at this icon, as we open up this story this morning, I want to put forward to you that this is, um, this is the main point that I want to make to you this morning, that God wants to take you to a place of understanding of Him that you've never been to before. That Jesus wants to show him, show you himself. He wants you to encounter him in such a way like you've never encountered him before. I just want to say a quick prayer before we launch into our passage. God, thank you so much that we have this opportunity to be together. And God, it's just a beautiful thing that we gather over these Wi-Fi waves, over the internet that about 10 of us are here at the church, that maybe others are listening elsewhere, but God, it is our desire to worship you this morning. So through the distance, God, we lift up your name, and we just open up our hearts and open up our minds, and we want to encounter you this morning, and so may we do that through this passage in Mark 4. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you haven't already, please pull out your Bibles to Mark 4. You're at home, so no excuses. Pull out your physical Bibles. There's something uh, really uh, important about interacting tactily with the pages and the ink that uh, help with focus and retention. And so pull out your Bibles to Mark 4. And uh, as we walk through this passage, I want to just kind of give us our outline of how we're going to go through this. I want to talk about the calm before the storm, I want to talk about the calm during the storm. I want to talk about the calm after the storm. And then I want to talk about the storm after the calm, okay? So let's start with verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, if you have the New International Version, it says, on that day when evening came right? And so we ask ourselves, what day is scripture talking about? So we just have to go to the beginning of the chapter. So just look over to the beginning of chapter four. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat, sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. He talked about the parable of the sower and the four uh, soils. He talked about not hiding our light under a bowl. He talked about how the seeds grow day and night. And he talked about the mustard seed, just a mustard seed of faith that could move mountains. And then we look in verse 33, it says, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand, just kept on feeding on them. It was just a, a spiritual buffet that was going on that day. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Do you picture it? This busy day, very ministry, a very productive ministry day, filled with activities and interactions. I hope uh, Jesus is an extrovert because uh, getting energy from his external world, because I just can't imagine being an introvert and just being in that constant uh, 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 crowd of people all day long, right? You could see the scene there on a boat just off the shore there on the lake. Jesus was speaking very loudly all day long, Maybe his voice was strained at this point as uh, dawn was coming. Maybe uh, it began to get a little hoarse, perhaps. And he was going back and forth, teaching to the masses, and then turning to his disciples and explaining things to them. It was a long and exhausting day, and we see in verse 33, that evening, uh, 35, that evening had come, and it was starting to get dark. In my, in my mind's eye, I see Jesus turning to his disciples and say, hey guys, man, that was rich. That was so good. Let's, uh, let's just get away for a bit, I'm tired. The waters were calm. A bunch of them knew these waters well because they were fishermen. It was their neighborhood, it was their boat, and they were excellent captains. With all of this, Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. This Sea of Galilee, 8 by 12 miles large, the lowest fresh body water uh, on the planet, 682 feet below sea level, with mountains 1,500 feet tall to the the west and 3,000 feet tall to the east, right? Um, this was an incredibly uh, le- uh, uh, fresh lake that um, Israel takes about 40 to 50% uh, of their water from there. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a setting that uh, fish flourish within it. Um, Mount Hermon is to the north and the snow melt comes down through the upper Jordan and fills the this, this Sea of Galilee 682 feet uh, below sea level. Let's set out from our headquarters, Jesus says. This place of familiarity and comfort and head out into the water. In ancient Jewish culture, the sea often had very negative connotations. The Hebrew word for water was mehim. It's constructed from the root that means chaos. We get our first look at this in creation when creator and Jesus when, when the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are there in creation, and, this, and it says in Genesis 1-2, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Holy Spirit hovered upon the face of the mayhem, the water. In this word mayhem, we, of course, hear the word mayhem right? The English word mayhem. And we certainly know mayhem, don't we, right? Here we go. There's mayhem from the Allstate commercial. Uh, he's the destroyer of all things good, right? So I, I'm thinking about Jesus insisting that the guys head out into the Sea of Galilee and sending them into darkness and telling them that we're now going into the mayhem. And little do they know what actual mayhem was before them. And there we see the calm before the storm. A calm, peaceful, relaxing cruise, and Jesus pulls up his special temperpedic pillow and goes to sleep. He deserves it, right? It's been a long day of ministry. He's wiped out, and there he is with his crew, and the purposes of God are, are, are being done. The calm before the storm. But then we move to the calm in the storm. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a pillow. This is no ordinary storm. This was, uh, uh, they they were used to being on uh, on this mayhem. They were experienced with it. They lived here. They worked here. But when we check Matthew's account of the same incident, the descriptor used in this uh, this scene of of the storm hitting is described as, and and try to hear it, the seismos megas," right? The mega storm. This word is often used for a hurricane. It was an earth-shaking-like massive sea storm with enormous swells, they were used to storms here on these waters. They were used to these waters being unsettled. But here, the winds and the waves were enormous. The winds came down off the Golan Heights. The cold wind of the mountains slammed against the warm waters of the Sea of Galilee. And this storm broke out, even as it was so natural for these fishermen. Uh, to understand but this was even more so it was greater by this night the storm was so violent that even these who experienced these experienced sailors these Galileans felt like they were going to die have you ever uh, been on a plane with uh, violent turbulence uh, i'm a pretty seasoned traveler i i i i uh, Um, I'm not proud of this, (laughs) I I, I traveled 10,000 miles in January, Uh, so I fly a lot, and whenever I'm in um, some severe turbulence, I instinctively turn my gaze to the flight attendants and I'm thinking if they're not freaking out, then I won't freak out. But I always uh, look at them and I'm feeling the turbulence or I'm hearing some strange noise or I'm feeling like something's happening to the plane and I turn to them and I see these thought bubbles going on up in their head thinking, oh we're going to crash, oh this is not good, oh my gosh, uh, I know I'm trained to not look like I'm panicking, <laughs> right, I just like see these thought bubbles. But then even though I just sit there and if they're not panicking, then I don't panic. But Very similarly, we have here in this scene these disciples who, unlike flight attendants, are running up and down the aisles saying, we're going to die, we're going down, right? And here we have Jesus just asleep. This deep, deep sleep, even with these waves that are pounding the boat and tossing it to and fro. In this storm, we see this beautiful picture of the humanness of Jesus. We know Jesus to be fully human and fully divine. And here, amongst the craziness of the mayhem, Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. We see him tired and exhausted, which gives us a a sense of connection to our Lord and Savior who is fully human and knows exhaustion and knows tiredness. And he's there in his fully divine state as well, not freaking out, but resting, sleeping deeply in the storm. I think it gives us a deep sense of, a, of the calm that was during the storm. We saw the calm before the storm, the calm during, in the storm, and now we turn to the calm after the storm. For forgot his love. There we go. The disciples woke him shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus is asleep, nobody else is calm. They knew that there was certain death uh, here in Mark, uh, it's, it's describing them saying, teacher, teacher, crying out. Luke is saying that they were crying out, master, master, and Matthew is saying they're crying out, Lord, Lord, and some might think that that's, uh, uh, you know, not uh, showing uh, consistency there, but this, these are uh, not descriptions of some kind of formal, organized uh, speech that is going on, but they're the cries of the desperate, of, of, of all these names being said and them crying out and all of their desperation desperation to Jesus it reminds me in a similar way that when I'm in trouble with Mary you know I'm not just saying Mary Mary I'm saying honey come on uh sweetie you know uh, Mary uh, you know and here they are in the in the swirl of this storm and they're calling out all their different names of Jesus crying out to him ah oh, we're going to die this is bad the cry out to Jesus they cry out to Jesus and wake him up It's only desperate people that wake people up, right? As a pediatrician, Mary is woken up in the middle of the night by desperate parents because their children are sick. We only wake up our neighbors in the middle of the night, our family members, when there is a moment of desperation. And when we're desperate, we are reaching out in this way, and they are too saying, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? At this point, I can't help but to wonder if these disciples are thinking about the lyrics on their playlist that they've been playing all of their lives. Songs from the Psalter, from the book of Psalms, right? Like, did they they recount these different words from these songs, like uh, track 65, you answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves. Or did they remember 107? He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Or perhaps, 89, you rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. Do you think they remember the lyrics that were on their playlists in the Psalms that they had been singing for years? Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. The wind and the waves recognize the voice of their creator and they stopped, they obeyed him. This Gile megalay came upon them, not a massive earth-shattering storm, but now a mega calm. It's a contrast to the seismos megas, right? No matter how cataclysmic something may feel, Jesus stands up and he brings a mega calm. This Category 5 hurricane, these millions of gallons of water that pounded this boat, stopped by just Jesus speaking into it. There was calm after the storm. But then we move to the storm after the calm. Verse 40, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each of them. Even the wind and waves obey him. Here we have Mark's third use of mega. He talked about a mega storm, and then he talked about Jesus creating a mega calm, but now he's talking about mega fear, right? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Inside, there was a storm that began to brew, even though there was a calm outside. And Jesus asked, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I don't think Jesus was asking two substantially different questions. He wasn't asking a question about uh, the storm and why this storm was more scary for them than other storms. He, when he was asking, why are you afraid? I don't think that's what he was asking. I think he was asking basically one question. And that question is, am I real to you? Am I real to you? Am I just veneer? Am I just faux leather? Am I just this cheap knockoff of a God? Am I real to you? Friends, whether you're in a storm right now or not, whether the storm you're in is this current uh, public health crisis, this global health crisis that we're in, Maybe this storm, a storm that you're in has to do with something that is going on in your family or something in your marriage or with your kids. Maybe it's something that you find yourself just completely out of control that as a recent diagnosis or a health condition. Maybe it's a crisis of faith that you're having. In our worship over these few weeks here at Evergreen, we are focusing on encountering Jesus Jesus is asking us the same question that he asked to the disciples that day. Am I real to you? Am I real to you? God wants to take you to a place of understanding of him that you've never been to before. God wants to take you to a place of understanding of him that you've never been to before. And sometimes it takes a storm. Am I real to you? Not a God here that this picture of Jesus sleeping, not a God here who is asleep when things are tough, right? That, that doesn't hear you. But it's a God who amongst our storms is non-anxious. It's a God that is present and with us. It's a God that wants you to know that he can be in control. So as we come in for a landing, I just simply want you to ask, if you're amidst a storm right now, would you have you given control of it over to Jesus? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to release to God? What storm are you in? I want to encourage you wherever you are as you're listening to this, if you're with your family or if you're alone, if you're driving, pull over to the side, take a moment to pause, and I want to encourage you, if you are going through a storm right now and you need to give control back over to Jesus, just let's do that ancient practice, that old church practice of just holding out our hands with that storm in our hands and just offering it to the Lord. And just take a moment and pray to Jesus. This, this storm seems crazy, God. Seismos megas, God. But I know you are God. And even though the wind is blowing and the waves are crashing, I give it to you. You are God. Offer it to him. Maybe you're not in a storm but certainly there's a lot of folks around us that are in a storm. Certainly it feels like society is facing a storm. Certainly just five minutes at Target feels like we're in a storm, right? It's time for us to be the presence of Jesus with people. It's time to help people face and encounter Jesus by being present and not just Uh, isolating ourselves relationally from those that Jesus puts around us. I love that I heard from Columbia Grove uh, Covenant Church in Wenatchee that they uh, got together with the other pastors in the area and got an appointment with their mayor and their superintendent of schools and they sat down together just a couple of days ago saying, hey, city officials, school officials, how can we help? And they sat there and the churches figured out ways uh, for them to help. I love hearing other stories of churches that are near, nearby schools and they're reaching out to the principals and to the teachers and trying to find out ways, safe ways, good ways, ways to bless the children or the teachers during this crazy time. I love, and maybe you saw the story on the Facebook, I love that Renew Covenant Church in Linwood, that they closed down uh, in-person services today, but they chose um, emphatically not to close their partnership with the the food, the local food bank. they, they brought Bring the truck to the church and they unload all of these groceries. And the most vulnerable of people, during a time when our grocery shelves are empty and prices are inflated, they're able to serve their community in this way and they're going to continue to do that. I love hearing stories of, of people visiting local restaurants and businesses to try to make sure that uh, they are making it through this time. I loved hearing, Mary and I heard from our neighbor across the street that she and a bunch of friends are. Um, Going to hire a food truck to go by a, a nearby hospital to help serve the the tired and and uh, 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 beleaguered uh, medical folks that are at this hospital, and they know they can't go in, and, and but they're just going to make this food truck available for for these uh, medical folks. I love hearing stories about churches that are creating a sign-up list uh, to make sure that those that are shut in, those that are over 60 or with health conditions, are being cared for, and hearing how those uh, sign. up lists, our are, are, uh, abundant people are wanting to help and jump in and uh, to visit people, right, to stem the loneliness of being shut in, uh, to, to, to bring meals by, to go grocery shopping or to run some errands. I, I love hearing all of these stories. It's a wonderful opportunity for us as the church, as followers of Christ, to help others encounter this real God that we know. Jesus, the calmer of storms, the non anxious one, may he be ever real to you today. God, we thank you so much for this very suspenseful and beautiful story. God, it does feel a bit stormy uh, in these days and we love that as we worship you that we can have this opportunity to pause and to reflect and renew our commitment, our, our belief in you. And so with hands held open, Lord, we give you our lives. We give you our fears. We give you our storms. We say yes to you. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: What an honor it's been to have our uh, superintendent of our conference, Pastor Greg, here with us today. And what a fitting message for the times that we're in right now. A great reminder that God is greater than the storm and that he's the calm in the chaos. So as we close, I invite you at home to sing with me this song, Great Are You, Lord.
1: darkness you give hope you restore
4: as I encourage you to hold out your hands uh, to give God those storms, whatever is uh, that's that's heavy on your hearts, I encourage you uh, again to put out your hands and to receive this benediction. Church, as you go into the storm that is today, continue to be the church. We are not gathered here in this place in this building, but go into your communities, go into your neighborhoods, go into your families, and continue to be the church. May the Father who knows you, who has chosen you, who is our loving Father, who knows good gifts, what good gifts to give to his children, may Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our storm calmer, and may the Holy Spirit who fills us and empowers us, and guides us, and enlightens us. May Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you on this day.
1: Amen.